I believe that no weapon against me shall prosper. No weapon of sickness, disease, torment, mental illness, or plague shall prosper against me, my family, my friends, my colleagues, or my church. This is a promise written by the very hand of God, and I claim it as my own. The word of God states, the Lord is my healer. So I declare healing over my life and my family's life. God is my great healer. He is my Yahweh Rapha. The Lord is my healer. This is what I believe and confidently declare. I will speak only positive words of faith and victory over myself, my family, and my future. I will not use my words to describe my situation. I will use my words to change my situation. I will call in favor, good breaks, healing, and restoration. I will not talk to God about how big my problems are. I will talk to my problems about how big my God is. This is what I believe and boldly declare. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our home, and thank you for allowing me into your home this morning and us as a church. A great big thank you to Chris and Guy for leading us in worship today. I love, I love this whole format that we're on, right? Going into people's homes, having different people lead us in worship. It's, it's beautiful. It, it gives us a feel, doesn't it? Like we are at church. I know it's, it's not the same at all. <laughs> uh, there's nothing like uh, being together, um, you know, smelling each other's armpits as we worship. <laughs> yeah, I just said that. Oh, man. Anyways, yeah, we sure miss everybody. And there's a whole bunch of different ways that we can connect. And we're trying to utilize those things. And so hopefully you're getting our communications uh, on this. And if you're not, just email the office and we'll... Uh, We'll uh, ensure we get that to you. Anyways, hey, I want to talk to us this morning about a new message series I entitled, Who Needs God? And we're going to look at our text uh, for uh, the day out of uh, Psalm chapter 14, verse 1. And it says this, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. In this series, I'm going to attempt to answer that question, who needs God? See, I grew up in a non-believing household. We never went to church. We didn't pray at mealtimes, nor did we talk to God before we went to bed. Uh, Easter, uh, for me, was all about eggs and chocolate, (laughs) and Christmas was all about presents. And if you would have asked me, When I was eight years old, who needs God? I would have had no clue how to answer that question. As a kid, um, I loved uh, playing street hockey. It was one of my favorite things to do. I loved hanging out with my friends, swimming at the local pool, riding my bike, you know, all the typical stuff. In fact, one day, after a long, hard-fought a street hockey battle, which, hey, I'm just saying, I scored a ton, and I ended up scoring the game-winning goal. My friend, um, good friend, Egg, my friend who was on the opposing team got so mad at me uh, that he literally took his hockey stick and was swinging it at my noggin. Well, thankfully, uh, just reflexes kicked in, and I raised my hand, 
And to this day, I still have the knuckle indentation that he left on my hand. And hey, yeah, okay, so I know what some of you are thinking. I know how some of you guys think here. You're thinking, who were you when you were playing? <laughs> well, I was Bobby Hall of the Chicago Blackhawks. He was my favorite player playing on my favorite team. <laughs> and if you would have asked me when I was 13, who needs God? I probably still would have had no clue how to answer that question. When high school rolled around, everything changed in my life. I once tried drinking with some friends and my insides ended up turning inside out, if you know what I mean. It was nasty. A while later, because I guess I wasn't too bright, I don't know, a close friend of mine convinced me to try some weed. And from that moment on in my life, my life took a massive nosedive. I mean hard. We're talking a deep dive into the abyss. And during that time, if you would have asked me who needs God, uh, I would have said, not me. For sure, I would have said that. I would have said, not me. I'm having too much fun. But, you know, thinking back, it's interesting what some of us consider fun. To me at the time, it was skipping out of school. It was getting high with my friends. It was partying. It was getting into trouble with the law. Yeah, at the time, my concept of fun was very twisted. Who needs God? Well, it's one of those questions a person must personally experience. I believe they must personally experience it in order to rightly know how to answer that question. Fast forward a little bit. By the time I was 20, I messed my life up to the point where I thought and everyone around me thought my life was beyond repair. And somewhere around that point, I started considering the question, who needs God? See, I had messed my life up to the point where I had nothing left to lose. At probably my lowest point, I found a Bible, kind of like this Bible, and I started reading it. And as I read the Proverbs, I discovered something very interesting, <laughs> that I was a fool. Verses like, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man quietly holds back from Proverbs 29.11. Or a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating like in Proverbs 8.6. These verses and others like it made me realize that the way I had been living, well, I was living like a fool. I had a terrible time with anger, and my lips seemed to always cause me trouble. It's as if when I was reading the Proverbs, they were speaking directly to me. And at that point in my life, a light went on. And if you would have asked me then, who needs God? I would have said, maybe I do. And my tale is similar to that of Every Christian's narrative. At some point every, in every Christian's life, we come to realize 
that the answer to the question, who needs God, becomes a resounding, I do. I need God. I was 20 when the light finally turned on. And every day since, do you know I still answer that question the same way I did when I first answered that question? I do. I need God. The text again says in Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. See, there was a season in my life where I certainly was this. I was the fool. But after I personally encountered Christ, I became foolish no more. For the Christian, we answer the question, who needs God? As we do. Because we have come to understand our absolute dependence upon him. It is his strength in me that helps me to be a faithful and loving husband. It is his hand upon me that helps me in my career. It is God's power surging through me that helps me and continues to help me to be a godly parent for my children. It is by the hand of God that I am debt free aside from my mortgage and I give him praise for that. It is through God's provision that I even have some left over to give. Who needs God? Well, for the discerning Christian, we realize we need God to help us through this thing called life. And if ever there was a time where we need God, it is this day. In uh, who needs God when the world is in isolation? We do. Who needs God when sickness and disease roams our street? Well, we do. Who needs God when loneliness and despair parades around our house? We do. Who needs God when we're laid off and don't know uh, how we're going to make it? We do. Our text reads, friends, in Psalm 14.1, The fool says in his heart there is no God. See, this could read also, The atheist says in his heart there is no God. It could read, The nihilist says in his heart there is no God. A nihilist, by the way, believes in nothing. They believe life has no meaning. They follow no moral, religious, social, or political code. So it could read that way. It could read the party animal, the gamer, the socialite, the self-made person. You could go on and on. These people say in their heart there is no God and they live like it. Who needs God? Well, I believe the light is turning on within people all over the globe. People on every continent are beginning to realize in this age of seemingly hopelessness that maybe, just maybe, they need God. I I need to just pause for a moment and remove a barrier. You know, barriers that erect seemingly overnight, you know, like the rerouting of traffic during construction that causes you to be late for an appointment or even worse, late for work. Yeah, those barriers. People are detouring away from God because they think, and this is important, because they think God wouldn't want them. That's a barrier. They think they're too bad. 
That's a barrier. They think they, they are too far gone. I certainly felt that way. They think they're too messed up. I felt that way. Too far gone, too messed up for God to even care about me. Well, that is a barrier, friends, that needs to be removed so we can have smooth traffic along in life. And one sentence of the Bible destroys that barrier. And I love this one. It's in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That one statement destroys that argument that God couldn't love me. That I'm too far gone. For God so loved, it starts. For God so loved you, the party animal. For God so loved you, the socialite. For God so loved you, that self-made person. For God so loved you, Mr. and Mrs. Atheist, that he gave up his very best. He gave up his own. He gave up, in fact, a piece of himself. Because he loved you so very much. And I believe that a light is turning on in people's heart on every continent. Yeah, bear with me for a minute. Imagine if every living soul on the face of the earth were a light. <laughs> some lights were turned on and some weren't. And if we calculated that Let's say at the beginning of this coronavirus crisis, of the, what, 7.8 billion people that are alive on on uh, Earth today, let's say at the beginning of the crisis, only 1.5 billion of those, their lights were on. Well, I'd venture to say that in the last month, just in the last month, that another billion lights are beginning to flicker. Why? Because people are considering the question, who needs God? And they're, they're saying, maybe I do. <laughs> you catching that? And church, listen, listen, it's so important you get this. Our role is to help pull the cord that turns the light on. Who needs God? Your friends do. Who needs God? Your kids do. Who needs God? Your neighbors do. Who needs God? Your co-workers do. And God is making this revelatory to you during these last few weeks, has he not? And let me remove another barrier that I believe is blocking our way in understanding this. And it's an important one. You have something to offer. You have something to say, you have more to give. You have a story to tell. And you have a role to play in this unique season of harvest that we're in. you got to believe it. Friends, we have to believe what the Bible speaks over us. When it says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ... Just believe it. <laughs> when it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, believe it. When it says, no sickness can come near your dwelling, 
Believe it. Believe that what is written in the Bible is written with you in mind. And if you can't believe it just for yourself, believe it for the sake of those in whom you love, for the sake of your co-workers, for the sake of your neighbors. See, because here's the thing. When you pray, heaven listens. When you express kindness, People notice when you love unconditionally, your neighbors take that to heart. Who needs God? Well, we all do. And at some point, you became convinced of it. Why? Well, you were personally touched by a love that I talked about. God so loved the world. You were personally touched by a love that is greater than any love you had ever experienced before. You were persuaded, like I was, by words, by God's word. Words that you had previously not heard or not taken to heart. Who needs God, friends? It's people just like you. That's who. That's who needs God. See, when we come out of our caves, and we're all going to come out of our caves at some point, do me a favor and don't get all weird and wacky on us by trying to convert everyone you meet. Uh, don't be like this <laughs> ginormous biker. A true story, by the way. So here's this biker dude. He's like massive. And he gets born again. He gives his life to Christ. And after that, he has this grand idea that I'm going to talk to all my friends, all my, all my biker friends, and I'm going to talk to uh, everybody I meet, uh, and I am going to uh, let them know that Jesus loves them, and I'm going to lead them to Christ. <laughs> but But here's the thing. Many people didn't acknowledge his message. Many people uh, uh, chose not to believe. So you know what he did? he would grab them by the scruff of their neck and hold them up against the wall and say, you're going to give your life to Christ, aren't you? <laughs> and amazingly, he had uh, almost a 100% conversion ratio. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. If you could even do that, don't do that. Just remember what our text says. Okay? Our text says, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Our role is to convince them that there is no better metric that we could have in our life than to have Jesus Christ come in as Lord and Savior. And as you communicate that, please just be yourself. Just love people. Just care for people. Be there for people. And if we do, I believe the fool will begin to say in his heart, maybe, just maybe, there is a God. And do yourself and the church and fellow Christians everywhere a favor. Steer yourself away from conspiracy, conspiracy theories. God didn't call us to tout conspiracy theories, but to minister the gospel through a life that we live. Just don't get all up on people's grid. Don't become angry. Don't pound the Bible 
as you talk to them. Just be yourself. And here's the thing. If yourself needs some help because you're a tad angry or bitter or jarred by life, and it happens, friends. Bad stuff can happen to good people. And stuff happens that knocks the snuff out of us. And if that's you, do yourself a favor and seek some help. Talk to someone. Why? Because your witness depends on it. Because, I don't know, I don't necessarily receive from an angry person. I don't necessarily receive from a jaded person. Uh, you know, I, I receive from someone who's joyful and 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 who loves life. And I know they're not perfect because I know nobody's perfect. But I certainly wouldn't receive from an angry person. So if if you're struggling with that, again, do yourself a favor. Do the church a favor. Do Christianity as a whole a favor and seek some help because your witness absolutely depends on it. Because listen. It's not what we say that will make a difference in people's lives. It's how we live. That's what makes a difference, how we live. And if you need proof for this, Jesus said to the religious gang back in Matthew 15, 8, he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Okay? You catch that? These people honor me with their lips. We can say what we want to say, but their hearts are far from me. God is concerned about our hearts, right? Our attitudes, in other words. And social media, friends, is packed with so-called Christians touting the latest and greatest theories. You notice that? I don't know. But when I read their stuff or I view their stuff, which I don't do very often, I do it sometimes because I want to hear what's going on, Uh, to me, they just come across as weird, (laughs) hateful, prickly people. And if I was a person who needs God, and I saw their posts, and I saw their videos and their stuff, you know what I'd do? I'd run far away. And I'd say, I don't know if I need God. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Is Is this making sense to you today? Our vision, our church's vision, is helping people develop a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our church's vision. Helping people develop a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Can we do all we can then to help make sure that happens? (laughs) Proverbs 14.1 again says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. But here's the thing. When they see a marriage that is rocking and they discover that you're a Christian, they'll begin to consider God. I believe it. With all my heart, I believe it. Because I've witnessed it. When the fool, when those people begin to see a fruitful, generous, prosperous life and they discover that you're a Christian, they'll begin to consider God. It's just what happens when these people experience your warm and friendly neighborly demeanor and they discover that you're a Christian, they'll start to consider God. See, when they see how you're handling yourself, 
during this health crisis that we're in right now, and they discover that you're a Christian, (laughs) they will start to consider God. And after all, isn't that the purpose of our faith? Just like our vision statement says, to help people develop a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ? That basically is our great commission. Jesus himself said to his crew, if you remember out of, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Matthew 5.13, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. (laughs) So my challenge to you is this, is to shine. (laughs) Let your light shine for all to see. You know, I think Yvette and I are inherently friendly people. I do. We try living our lives as open as we can. Uh, I like to say we is what we is. (laughs) And what you see is what you get. And back in the day, one of our neighbors, uh, who we struck uh, up a friendship with, we'd... uh, eat sushi together, they both, they introduced us to sushi actually, and we've since fallen in love with sushi, we love sushi. But we'd we'd eat uh, sushi together, we'd play squabble together, which by the way is a uh, lightning fast version of Scrabble, it's a lot of fun, and when we get out of isolation, maybe we can play it together. (laughs) Well, eventually, they discovered what my career lane is. And um, they were watching us as a result of that even closer. Uh, You know, and by the way, I try holding off on telling people right away that I'm a minister because I find when I do, they get kind of all weird and wacky on me, man. And you know what I just do? I just try letting them know I'm a Christian, right? That's my first first go-to. And well, one night uh, at around... Uh, one in the morning, <laughs> and it was a Saturday of all nights. And remember, at the time, I was a pastor, and I have to get up real early in the morning to lead church. Well, I'm awakened by my neighbor crying out uh, to me uh, from uh, to my window. I'm on the second floor, throwing little pebbles at me because he had far too much to drink. And he was in a bit of a bind, a bit of a pickle, if you say. Well, to make a long story short, both him and his wife ended up coming to Christ. Not because we were super preachy, but because they saw how we lived. We were friendly. We were fun. We liked similar things to what they liked. We were, to them, normal. Ah, yeah, sure, maybe I was a little abnormal, uh, like the time uh, those neighbors, uh, the wife, said to my wife, um, your husband's a minister, right? It says, yeah, you know that. And um, this is before they gave their lives to Christ. And she said, <laughs> I've never seen a minister play basketball shirtless before. <laughs> But I was just living my life. I was out having fun on the street with the gang, playing basketball. You know, somebody's got to be shirts and skins to recognize, and I happened to be skin that day. Is this making sense? You just live your life. Be yourself. And another example, last year, 
We uh, water baptized a ton of youth at the church. And you know what I believe? I believe a part of the reason they took the plunge, those youth took the plunge, was because they saw how you and I lived. They saw how you and I worshipped. They saw how you treated them. Week in and week out, they saw you in action. They watched their parents. Of course they did. Uh, They watched their friends who knew Christ. Uh, They watched their youth leaders. And as a result, they made the decision to take the water baptismal plunge. You know, next week, I want to carry on with this theme I've been talking about. But I want to look at it through the lens of the book of Acts. Um, just a teaser. Here's a, here's a short story that you'll um, see from next week. In Acts chapter 13, um, there's these three dudes, Paul, Barnabas, and John. They went to this city called Cyprus to talk to people about Jesus. They went there to share their faith. At one point in their journey, they came across this sorcerer dude. I I, I know, I mean, sounds pretty freaky. They came across this dude who practices sorcery. And this dude became a royal pain in the... Yeah. Well, Paul eventually got fed up with this dude's shenanigans. And he ended up casting a devil out of the dude. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, hey, when you read the Old Testament, uh, you see, or the New Testament rather, you see some of this stuff going on. And that's what I want to talk about next week. And you know what transpired as a result of this? There was this um, high-level Roman officer who um, Paul was actually talking to at the time this sorcerer came along and who witnessed Paul cast the devil out of this dude. And as a result of what he witnessed, he ended up giving his life to Jesus Christ. See, today, I'm encouraging you to be a witness of Christ's love through how you live, which, by the way, is the single most important part of our witness, how we live. But next week, I want to show you that aside from the life we live, there is also another way to be an effective witness for Christ. And that is by trusting God for supernatural occurrences to take place as you do so. The book of Acts Uh, The fifth book of the New Testament is all about the church being unleashed with supernatural power upon an unsuspecting world. That's what the book of Acts is all about. And if ever there was a time for us to revive this in our lives or to be revived by what we read in the book of Acts, I believe it is now. Now's the time. Now's the time to begin to read the book of Acts with a renewed sense of expectation. See, the book of Acts is all about how God worked through the gang back then. And here's the thing we're going to discover. 
how God moved through the gang back in the day, he can move through you and I today. God loves performing signs and wonders. He does. It's a quick glance through the Bible. You discover that. Uh, Just ask Moses, ask David, ask Esther or Elijah. But here's the thing. And next week we'll unfold this even better. These signs and wonders by God flowed through instruments of God like Peter and Paul and the early church and all the characters that you read about in the Bible. But they also can flow through people like you and I. Before I close, I want to give everyone an opportunity uh, who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to come to faith. And I want to lead you in a simple prayer, a prayer that has nothing to do with how good you are or how bad you were. Uh, it's a prayer that simply is a recognition of our sin and how that sin has kept us far from God. So will you do me a favor, do yourself a favor, and just repeat these words after me, okay? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. From this day forward, I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. I want you to know if you prayed that prayer, my friends, uh, that you're a Christian. Do me a favor. And if you're watching by Facebook, just in the comment section, just mention, I did. I gave my life to Christ. Something like that. Or if you want it a, a little more private, just in, in Messenger, uh, message message us and uh, tell us the decision you made. Or um, if you're not watching on Facebook, you're watching some other way, uh, YouTube Live. You can also make a comment in YouTube Live as well. Uh, or if you're watching from our website, um, just email the office at office at victorylifechurch.ca. Amen. Will you do that for me? Did this message help you? Did it help give you an understanding of the importance of how we live and how we respond and how we react. And if we are carrying ourselves, if we're carrying baggage around ourselves, how that could affect our witness for Christ and our ability to do what God has commissioned or asked us to do, which is tell other people about him. Again, as I said earlier, if that's you, if you've been struggling with anger issues or bitterness or hurt or resentment, please seek out some help. Contact us and we can help direct you toward people that can help you deal with this. It is so vital, friends, in particular as we get ready to come out of our caves that we 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 come out a whole person, a healthy person. Now, 
that doesn't mean we're we're going to all do everything right and we're never going to fail and you know we have to be these perfect uh, cookie cutter kind of christians i i'm not saying that at all please don't hear that in this cuz none of us are none of us are perfect but here's what i find a healthy person does when a healthy person makes a mistake cuz we will when a healthy person makes a mistake stake we will admit it. it. It it may take us a little bit. It may take some convincing by somebody, typically our spouse. Um, a healthy person readily repents and readily asks for forgiveness. And really, in the end, that's all God is asking of us, to be people who are willing to live our lives like just to be ourselves, really. In the end, that's it. Just live our lives the way he intended and based on your gifts and your talents and your abilities. Will you do that? Thank you again uh, for listening. And uh, now at this point, just check out the screen uh, for a little bit of information on how uh, you can uh, give during this unique season as we gather only online. Hi, here we are again. Uh, you just saw on your screen three ways to give. One of those ways is through e-transfer. You do it directly from your bank. And you just type in give at victorylifechurch.ca. Simple as that. You can write into your message uh, portion of it, you know, what you want it for. Maybe it's your tithe. Maybe you want some of it to go towards missions, some of it to go towards benevolence. Just put that in the message portion of uh, of that. And then we also have online through our website. Uh, you can give via PayPal and that is just victorylifechurch.ca slash giving. Uh, you can give that way or three, you can simply mail it in just and the address was there on the screen. Uh, Victory Life Church, uh, 9010 McKinney Avenue here in St. Albert. Um, so thank you again for all of you that are continuing to give uh, through this time. Uh, we uh, praise God for you and thank God for your uh, faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Speaking of giving, I hope today was a good day for you to receive. Uh, you know, who needs God is a, kind of a rhetorical question because when you think of it, we all do around us because not everyone's at the same place let's be honest and we just want to be a resource to people so i pray that you did receive today that it was a gift to you and that you're feeling encouraged we appreciate you so much and uh, it was a great service yes yeah Yeah. awesome love coming into your homes uh good kind of seeing you virtually or you seeing us virtually anyways so have a fantastic uh afternoon uh Keep having uh, some uh, joyous times with your family. And uh, we love you. God bless you until we see you again. Amen. Amen.